Hey everybody, welcome back. It's series two of Mental Podcast with me, Ed. Happy New Year. I know it's a bit of a, bit of a tough time at the moment, back in lockdown in England. And uh, just sending my love to you all out there. I hope you're doing all right. Keeping active, getting out in nature, doing those little bits just to give you a bit of joy. Hopefully I can bring you a bit more joy this week because I have got Caroline Subaru on the podcast She's a French lady living in London, and we talk about cycling, ultra cycling, nutrition, her mental challenges over the last year or two, and uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy it. I certainly did. Got a few stonkers coming up. Anyway, it'd be great if you could review this podcast on Anchor or on Apple, subscribe, share it out there, get the podcast to go big. Anyway. Hope you're all well. Stay positive. Reach out to those friends. Have a beautiful week. Join me next Wednesday, Thursday. Hopefully, if I get it done in time, um, join me for another podcast. Anyway, love you guys. Keep positive. It's on. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It's series two. It's another mental podcast with me, Ed. And today I've got Caroline, amazing cyclist, amazing woman over in London. Nice to have you on the podcast, Caroline. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And hello, everyone. How, how's it going today in London? How's the morale? Uh, morale is good. It's you know it's a new year, so I'm I'm even more motivated. And I'm I'm a bit sleepy today because I did wake up very early, and uh, work has been a bit mental, um, but. Other than that, things are good, yeah, dealing with a new lockdown. <laughs> yeah, so what basically took you to London in the first place? So originally, at the time when I decided to move to London, I was uh, working, studying and then working in Switzerland. So I, I started to work in, in, in finance there. I was a consultant for Ernst & Young. And then um, I really felt, you know, that I wanted to keep on challenging myself, discover new things. And I absolutely love Switzerland, but I thought I'm too young to just stay in one place. So I decided to move to London. <laughs> and so I moved to, to my new job now and I'm a project manager in investment banking at Santander. And it's been there for, uh, I've been there for four years now. So I've got to know you on Instagram and been super inspired uh, by your cycling. First of all, I want to say a big congrats for getting to 20,000 kilometers in a year. <laughs> Thanks. It's not enough, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough. So let's just break that down because I was super happy because I did 5,000 and I was like, woohoo. Um, yeah. So what is that? Basically, is that 400 a, a week, roughly? Yeah, roughly, I think. Uh, I mean, there has been some week where I trained less than others, but I did have some events where I've been very lucky in 2020. I've, I've still been able to do some of the events that I had planned to do which were uh, the woman Tour de France, normally it's called J-1 or D-1, so you do it a day before the men, but uh, yeah. the girls this year, because of COVID, we did the months before the men, so obviously doing the whole Tour de France route did help her pack in more, uh, more kilometers, and then I did, a, I did a few also, you know, ultra challenges, did an Everesting, and I did uh, All Point North as well, which wasn't really a race, in the sense that the organizers were like, well, we can't really officially make it a race, but if you want to go and do it anyway, do it. So 
was a thousand kilometers by myself in northern England. Um, so again, like a good way to pack a lot of kilometers in and then also training around it. So yeah, that was my year. <laughs> Amazing. So you were you up this morning to go cycling? Yes, yes, I was up this morning uh, to go cycling and, and yes, so I, I do my usual stuff in the morning and you know, I wake up, stretch, have a, a prayer, a bit of a thought. In the winter, I always have breakfast because I find it really difficult otherwise to wake up and motivate myself if I don't have something like warm and a coffee. And then just a bit of yoga actually this morning and then I went out uh, to, to ride, easy ride. And then I'll have to do some more cycling later, but inside this time. Great. That leads me on because my one of my questions too was what is your morning routine? So is that you trying to get a bit of yoga in every day? Yeah, it depends. So one of my things is that, that there's also a reason why I wake up so early. It's just I really have this feeling that my, 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 my day can be very packed. And so morning is really the moment for me where I have time for myself and I can be very slow and take a lot of time to, to yeah. wake up the way I want it. Rather than rush, I hate rushing in the morning. So yeah, I, I wake up in the summer. Sometimes I don't have breakfast. I go exercise right away. But in the winter, as I said, you know, just wake up, have a prayer, you know, have a little bit of a thought, meditation, not very long. Then just coffee breakfast, uh, which I generally do is either, you know, the book I'm reading at the moment or uh, sometimes I watch motivation videos or I listen to a podcast and really how I feel that that specific day. But it's, a, it's always something that I think is as a usefulness for me. Like it's not just mindful, like uh, it's, it's not really like mindless watching of some TV show. Yeah, or something. yeah, as a purpose. Do something that actually helps for my day. And then, yeah, I go riding. Especially during COVID, it has been really important because it was my, my moment outside. And it's obviously a bit more quiet in the morning on the roads. So it's absolutely perfect. Sometimes sunrise. So oh, yeah, wow. some rain this morning though. But <laughs> And then yeah, I come back, have my shower, and then I'm, I'm ready for the day. So that means, uh, so what, you, did you say 4.30 this morning? Yeah, 4.30, yeah. So when I when I leave for cycling, it, it uh, that's, that's to tell you how slow I am. I'm generally meeting my friends around six or six thirty, so I do have all this time <laughs> yeah, that is so like, Exactly, but it, it does give me sometimes to do other things. You know, I can I can do a bit of mobility workout before I go cycling, which is better anyway to wake up a bit the body. I can do a bit yeah. of yoga, which I did this morning. So yeah, something something like that. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to have the downtime, isn't it? Just to reflect, and but particularly the mornings are just. Yeah, you can you can take it at your own speed and have the calm. Yeah. I really hate actually waking up late. Even at the weekend, I wake up early because I think once you have a rhythm, and I love it because by by the time people wake up at seven a.m., you have done so much already and you feel yeah. great. So I love the feeling. I think that's one thing. I uh, I recently got a Whoop watch, so it sort of it tells you like how to improve your sleep and all that, and it really sort of. It, it puts so much importance on rest and recovery. How much importance do you put on that? Like, I'm not always the best for it. Uh, I find it sometimes a bit difficult to to have like four period of rest. Uh, but I do take a, a rest day a week always, my Monday. And then uh, I try and go to bed early, yes. I mean, by 10.30, I have to be in bed. Otherwise, it, it doesn't really work, right? Because you can't wake up that early and not do it. And at the weekend... Saturday and Sunday, I always have a nap. I absolutely love napping after lunch. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a nap, not very long. Like it can be 15 to one, 15 into one hour, but it does help a lot to just relax and, and sleep. Is that from your French roots, having a little uh, afternoon? It's, 
yeah, very possible. Uh, my mum has always been quite a, a fan of uh, micro sleep, uh, and uh, I grew up also seeing my grandparents. And I'm from the south of France, so it's Italian and French family. So yeah, napping is quite common at lunchtime. When I was at university, I was like juggling between little jobs plus, you know, university plus. Uh, some other projects I was leading at the time and so I started to do a lot of micro naps especially during exam periods and stuff like that that really helped me when I had to work very late to kind of catch up on my sleep yeah the, the power nap it's a good it's a good tool it's I, super important yeah I definitely try and we've got a sofa at work so I uh, have quite a big lunch break sometimes so I just have a little power nap good for yeah. good for you um so so growing up in the south of france a, a prime area for cycling did you get into it as a kid not at all <laughs> i don't come at all from a from a cyclist uh, family actually um, i come from a family that really dislikes cyclists i remember being in the car with my dad and him driving and being so annoyed with little peloton of cyclists <laughs> on the road so uh yeah, no, it's not at all something like that. My, my family has really been more was almost a bit judgmental towards athletes and sports. You know, they were kind of admiring a lot scientists and intellectuals and writers. And somehow, you know, athletes were, were not something that they were looking up to at all. So growing up, I wasn't into sport that much. I did a bit of sports like any kids, but nothing major. Did a bit of basketball though quite a bit when I was at school but just because I'm really tall yeah no I got into a bit running when I was at university but it's just I, I always felt you know I personally always felt almost a jealousy at the time for people that were doing a lot of sports because I felt why can't they do it and why can't I yeah. uh, and I was almost, almost resentful you know like why why can't I run and I remember when I was at university I, I bought a book about marathon and I told my mom you know I think I should run a marathon and my mom was wow. like yeah not gonna happen it's not gonna happen like it's for us it was something absolutely impossible and then I ended up a few years later running a marathon I was like see I've done it and I've done ultra wow. marathon. I, I kind of stopped now running that much but and because I, I, trans, I, I kind of moved to, to cycling and that's been yeah. I'm no way back now I absolutely love it but yeah so no I didn't at all come from cycling originally no are you a big fan of David Goggins like myself yeah I love him. <laughs> you read you read his book. I read his book. Yeah, I did read his book, and I, I love watching his videos. And yeah, uh, I, uh, I really like. I, I actually quoted him on my on my Insta. I think like it was yesterday, actually. Yeah, I really yeah. like him. Yeah, I mean, he, I I listened to his audiobook a few weeks back, which I totally recommend because they actually do. I don't know if you heard, they do like a mini podcast between each chapter. Yeah, it's just it's awesome. He's uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast because it's just like no holding back just go for it action yeah I, I really like him what I like with him is that he says what he means and I mean of course you know I suffered from mental health issues in the past so I know that there's tough times where having somebody that kind of shakes you is not really what you need but I think very often in general unless you're really diagnosed with an actual difficult mental health issue for, for a lot of us it's more a question of, of just being driven and being told things that we don't like to hear and yeah. I love that he's I love that he's a bit like that you know he say no it's not that you overtrain it's just that you're lazy like yeah your legs are in pain that doesn't mean you should, shouldn't be running just go for it and I love that he says you know anybody if they put the amount of work in you know they they're going to get good at something you need to really work hard and hard and harder it's by working harder and harder and harder 
that you will, you know, become that that musician that you see that is so good at playing guitar. It's not like just gifted. What yeah. you see is a result of 10,000 hours of, of practice, you know. It's the same thing for sports, the same thing for everything. But obviously it takes it takes some some drive and then you need to find the the thing that pushes you to do it. Right. Uh, yeah, he's quite good. <laughs> yeah, no. And so what is the push? For, what is it in cycling that pushes you? It's been weird because when I started cycling, it was really just because I was looking for a way to, go, to get to work to, really. So there wasn't, mm. any, there wasn't anything, you know, there was, I just don't like taking public transport. I used to run to work. I got injured, started to do something on the bike. And then my husband said, well, let's just get you a road bike because you're quite fast and I think you could get good at it. And I think he was yeah. really hoping I might like it. <laughs> And it's just it had been it's just it has been really transformative for me because I realized bit by bit by bit that the more I was doing it, the better I was feeling. Obviously, you know it's it's sports, yeah. and and at the time I was a bit struggling st- still. Like I'm I'm pretty better recovered now, but I was still struggling with the eating disorder and my desire to perform on the bike because you get so hungry. Yeah. When you're on the bike, my desire to perform on the bike sort of like slowly bit by bit based you know my desire to control my body and to control my food I wanted to eat so I could fuel you know my sports and then continue doing that so I had a that was the first step and then the second step is for me cycling was something very scary you know it's it's a risk-taking sport and you can fall there are cars and yeah and I, I wasn't really sure you know that I could actually achieve and when I started to force myself to go outside my comfort zone and then see that I could do it it gave me such a boost in confidence. And then, you know, I, I will go and I will have a crash. And and the day after, right away, I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to go out again. I'm just going to do it again. And I just proved to myself that I could go over and again and again, again myself. And that's what I love with cycling, because it has showed me that I've been able to achieve things that I never thought in my life I'd be able to achieve. You know, I've been able to like go by myself at night on a bike, you know, in the middle of France, Alpe d'Huez, at night, all Ooh. by myself. What, what is this you know and ultra racing especially that's why I love it because it's 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 I call it, it's like life concentrated in one or two weeks with everything that can happen you know bad luck good lucks great encounters bad encounters and and you push yourself to the very limit and you're so tired this is when you see the like that you can push human resilience to a level you never imagined imagined before so um, yeah that's that's why I love cycling and it's very Anybody that cycles will tell you that it's very hard to be a cyclist and not become passionate because it covers everything. It's not just a sport, you know, it becomes some kind of a, a culture or your friends cycle. Sure. That's what you talk about. Your holiday becomes cycling. So it's just, yeah. And I guess for myself, I, I think, like you said, commuting to work, it's super env- good for the environment. And there's that whole aspect, which I think is totally underplayed, but it's so good for your mindset and to be in contact with nature, isn't it? Just to be out there like I've seen in, recently you've been out there like myself I, I went on Monday I went back to work and it was like snowing and I got to work and people were like are you crazy and it's just like no it's just like this is great just being in the elements and just yeah. feeling how you know I think it's super important I think it it, it makes your you makes your commute a moment a little bit a bit of a special moment really because you're again you're with yourself you do your I mean, I'm in central London, so obviously I'm not really in nature when I commute, but I, I do go through parks. You know, I, I do sometimes just take another route and discover something I didn't know about. 
uh, and it's, it's for sure that cycling has been a great way to 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 see London and to discover a bit other sides of London, you know, and go outside. I remember when I joined my cycling club for the first time ever, I went to Essex and I realized at my doorstep I have Epping Forest. It's massive, yeah. and without cycling, I would never have thought going there because it seems quite a quite a far away sort of trip to do. But once you cycle, distances can seems to shrink and everything. <laughs> it's is, true. And at your doorstep, so that's that's really great. It's 16 kilometers before we're like, oh, I can't run there or cycle there, but then once you have your bike, you're like, Yes, fine, I'll just cycle there. And then, and then you get to see so many more things, it's really nice. It's true, it's true. I want to dig into the uh, so the ultra cycling is this is this road biking or gravel or uh, yeah, it's for now, it has been only road cycling. I'm, I'm keen to try and do a, a gravel race because I've been watching a bit of uh, documentaries about the GB Duro and I'm like, yes. Yeah, that looks intense. I'll try this. Uh, but so far, yeah, yeah, it has been only road cycling so far. So far, it's only road cycling. But, and I'm, I'm just beginning, really. But I think it's the same way that in running, I like long distance. I think in, this, in cycling, this is what I appreciate as well. So I, I'll continue doing that. So ultra cycling, if we could explain to to the listeners, is you basically have a distance and you just get there in the quickest time, but it's like a crazy distance usually, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it kind of it's generally it's rarely under under five hundred or for me five hundred is not even an ultra. Like it's it's more like a day odax. It's nice, it's difficult, it's challenging, but for me an ultra is something like eight hundred thousand kilometers and then above. That's then properly properly hard and normally you have a cut of time so you have a certain set amount of time to do it so you can do it you know if you have a week some people are crazy they do it in four days and some people like oh race across France I had so many issues during that race I literally got to the end I must have been maybe three hours before the cut of time so I was wow lucky. yeah I got sick I mean if you I, I did a podcast if you want to listen to it about that but it was crazy <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's basically what ultra cycling is. And then during that, depending on the ultra, you can sometimes do your own route and with different checkpoints. Sometimes it's a set uh, route and then the, the clock never stops. So it's really about your time management and how much, you know, you can renounce to sleeping, really. So what, do you sleep in bus stops or do you actually sleep? It does happen, yes, yes. So, uh, I mean, I've, I like to stop at hotels at least every two days just to take a shower and clean up. Uh, yeah depending where it is I, i've slept just outside you know you find a, a nice tree you just you just lie down there and you, you're so tired anyway you literally fall asleep in a second you're so tired yeah um it's quite uh interesting <laughs> nothing yeah. wakes you up <laughs> that is amazing so so what's what's on the uh plans for this year obviously covid is causing a lot of issues but have you got any ambitions so I do have some ambition for this year. So the problem is, and this is one of the difficulties with COVID, it's really hard to project oneself. So I have actually a really, really big project, which is quite quite an ultra race in a way. I don't really want to talk about it yet. Some people know about it already, but it's already arranged with my work. But it would mean basically be, uh, it would mean being away from, from home for six months. But obviously that means traveling a lot. And I'm not sure yet that is going to happen, but I'm still hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and what? So carrying all your gear and stuff? Yeah, definitely. It's it involves bike packing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm building a bike for the purpose. Um, but if that doesn't happen, obviously I will have to review my my race calendar. 
But other events that, than that specific event, I'm also joining a racing team now in London called uh, Team Vato. It's a, it's a development team for Team London. So I'm going to do a lot of road racing, hopefully, hopefully and, and crit races if racing resumes. And then I want to do, because if it fits my calendar anyway, I want to do an ultra race called... Uh, it's called the Two Volcanoes Sprint. It's in Italy and it's in October. So I'd like to do to do that specific race and see if I can win it. <laughs> so Brilliant. that's where I am. Wow, you got well. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully, things will open. Are there any limits at the moment? Where how the distance you can cycle, or have you got? It's just that's always a bit difficult because they say that it needs to be local from home. But if you people like me, local from home can be anything because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can. In the day, you can cycle quite far out. I'm avoiding doing that, though, <clears throat> for multiple reasons, because I think, first of all, it's just not giving a very good example. So I'm trying to stay local in the sense of central London and then like one typical route that I always do in SX. And then also having somebody that works for the NHS, I know that the services are quite fully booked right now. So if you have a bike accident, uh, it's not guaranteed yeah. that you can be right away unless you really have like your life is at threat but so you know you could find yourself with a fracture and then it can't be seen right away and then it, it could become way worse so yeah it's you really true be stupid right now definitely yeah. i'm uh, i remember in the last lockdown i tried to go to my local roundabout and just go round the roundabout and see if strava would register it and <laughs> but it didn't pick it up i was very disappointed uh, i want to see how yeah. far i could do yeah, it can be a bit frustrating, the whole lockdown. I think France has been really hard, obviously, because they were properly stuck at home. Uh, I'm quite glad that didn't happen here. Uh, and I think it's been probably better on people's mental health to be able to go inside. So I think the government was clever on that part. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely keeping to the same sort of area is, is safer. I really, I really push for, I mean, I think TV, like BBC, all this, they should be doing like meditation elements in on the on the TV, just really pushing the mental health because it's going to be a massive issue that I don't really think has been talked about enough um yeah I really have. I was just uh, I was discussing it with my with my husband and I was telling him you know if this had happened two years or three years ago to me I mean with my bulimia it would have been an utter catastrophe being stuck at home and I can't imagine how hard it has been for some people so uh, I'm I'm quite glad that I was already in a, in a place where I was able to cope well, and actually it's been it's been a great way for me to check that yeah I'm indeed better because that, that kind of situation I mean I can't imagine how hard it is for people that have proper mental health issues. Yeah, I think but I think it's really brave of you also just to be talking about that. So thanks for being so brave to to talk about you, and it's inspiring for others who. Who are going through these difficulties so thanks for that obviously being from france i live about an hour from mont ventoux how uh, what's your thoughts on the the mighty ventoux ah, i love it it's one of my favorite climb uh, it was actually one of the first big climb i did uh when i was six months into cycling i did les sangles du mont ventoux so i went to the south of france and you climb it three times in one which which is uh which so is my, my, my first ultra challenge it's great. That is it's epic. Great. The three yeah. climbs. I mean, just one climb for me is usually enough, but to go, I mean, that is chapeau. Thank you. <laughs> I've done it again this year, actually. Uh, yeah, it was it was brilliant. I really like Monto. It's beautiful there, and it's, just, it's it's great to go at different time of the days as well to see it. So. Which which is your favorite route, Malasen or? Mm, it's really hard to say. I think Malosan is prettier because it's a bit 
or it's a bit more green. There is like a bit of an alpine feeling uh, in Malosan, but I mean, obviously, the finish of Bedouin is the typical Tour de France route, and it has all yeah. the legends around it, so it's gorgeous. So it, it will be hard. They're just they're just very different. They're the same and very different as well. I, it's hard to say. I feel like Bedouin is more typical typical Ventoux. If I had to do to choose only one climb for Ventoux, I probably would choose Bedouin just because. I think Malosen, you can find similar climbs um, if you go to Tenerife or stuff like that. Really? So for Bedouin is like the one that is typical Ventoux. Yeah. It's it's funny because I always I always get quite emotional when I reach the summit. There's something about being that high up. Do you ever find you get emotional? Yes. I mean I have this very often when I run my bike. Anyway, I get I get so I get so many feelings and so many emotions. Uh, that run through me but yes obviously and especially with Ventoux what's great with it is you know people were asking me why is it not a call why is it called a mont and I was like well it's because a call is like a place where you go in order to get to another place right it's like a passage whereas a mont yeah. is just it exists just for itself and what is really cool about Mont Ventoux is like it dominates the whole horizon there's nothing it's probably flat around yeah. vineyards then you have this one mountain at the top. And yeah, there's definitely also something emotional about thinking, I'm literally just going up that mountain for no reason whatsoever, but just challenge myself because it doesn't help me go anywhere else. I could just go around it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's why it's really cool about it. <laughs> and I, I always think, I think particularly when I go past the Tommy Simpson memorial, it always kind of chokes me up. I always get a bit choked up when I go past. But yeah. yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Chris Froome, so I always think of him running up as well. I, I love the idea of it. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, chapeau to the old Mont Ventoux. Um, so, nutrition, how important is that to you? Do you like a bit of porridge to start the day or something like that? Yeah, definitely. I love I love my porridge. I think, I think something warm is just so important. Now, obviously, nutrition is quite important. In my position, obviously, I've had a battle with food for, for a long time, um, but something... I have noticed more in the in the past year now that I'm I'm better and I'm recovered is people have been telling me you know for years when I was because I struggled with it for like 12 years and they kept telling me you know the problem with eating disorders is like it's a vicious circle because if your your gut health is not good then yeah. actually there's a lot of guts that influence your your mental health and so for the first time this year uh, sometime if I wasn't eating well. I could feel a bit of depression and anxiety and it's crazy when you eat well how much better you mentally feel as well so I can really now start start seeing it and playing around with it and 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 dialing in a bit my nutrition accordingly but obviously I think before that you know a lot of people that ask me about it and I'm like when it comes to food really I think we all know personally what works with us and I think nutrition is is so private and personal I don't believe in any diet I think people love being vegan great for them you know people love to eat just anything which is great for them I think you just need I think you know what's good for you and you need to eat at times that you know are good for you and all of us we are aware that if you eat a little bit of everything and it's natural stuff and it's not transformed and you cook it at home you're going to feel good and that there's no magic recipe to it and then of course you know if you if you're a super athlete then you can maybe eat more fat and less sugar or more sugar or less fat whatever but I think for me I love intuitive eating and it's all about listening to my body and trying to appreciate my food and eat mindfully so it has been working for me and that's what I do yeah 
I love that listening to your body I think probably don't do enough of that yeah it's super important I've been well into I think from lockdown I've been well into sprouts I've been sprouting I've been uh, another audio book I would totally recommend it's called fiber fueled um I can give you the I forget the writer but he's all about the fiber and you know sprouts and fermentation and sauerkraut super good do you like a bit of sprouting I do like it, but I think also for me, at least, like if I eat too much sauerkraut, I would definitely have belly problems. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, I think it's all it's all very very personal and see what yeah. what works for each of us. Uh, but definitely, it's important to test. You know, when people ask me, "What do you eat for long rides?" I say, "Well, like somebody where I'm surprised because I don't like eating gels, and on, unless it's like a very short crit." And I was like, "Listen, yeah. it's not because it doesn't work for me that it's not going to work for you. It's all about you need to take time to test it. You almost need to do like in the lab, you know, not eat anything else, just eat one thing and see what happens. And if that doesn't work, then next time you try something else until you find the specific thing that really works for you. Just just listen to your body, see how you react, and then generally that's the right answer." Yeah, I love that. I love that. Do you use, uh, what about energy balls? Do you do you like uh, things like that with dates and uh, seeds mm-hmm. in? I always make my own. Well, I have never tried to make these energy balls. Like it, it, I generally just have like dried fruits when I'm on the bike directly because I absolutely love them. Like, you know, uh, dry apricots or, or figs and stuff like that. Yeah. I do love making banana cake. Oh, That's banana like cake. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, a yeah, good yeah. thing. And, and then you have a savory stuff. You have a slice in the in your back pocket. Yeah, it was get a bit squashed, but I don't care. I just <laughs> eat the crop. <laughs> and how yeah. about coffee? Is coffee a big thing in your life? Yes, I try to to not eat, to not drink too much of it, but it's quite a big part of the of the culture um, in in cycling, especially, and also just in London because you know. Uh, if you don't smoke or anything, <laughs> and you don't want to go out for a cigarette with your colleagues, the the other way you want to socialize is to have a coffee. So it's always, let's go for a coffee. Let's go to yeah. bread. Let's have a coffee. I've noticed this year I saved so much money because I haven't been going out for coffees. Obviously, I don't think coffees are really good for you, uh, like if you abuse of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I, what I love is cultural differences of how coffee has changed in the in the few years. You know, originally Starbucks and so on, that was all in the US. You didn't have that in Europe. I grew up in a family where you have your black coffee in the morning and your short ristretto after lunch, and that's yeah. it. And I think it's still the case in France, actually. Uh, it's starting to change now, but it's still very much the case. And it's just so oh, interesting. I you know it's always like, I want a venti cappuccino and like the cup is as, as big as your head. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is my big, this is my big issue when I come back to London. It's like, I just want an allongé. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I have to usually get an espresso and then add my water. It's like, come on, just do me an allonger. <laughs> yeah, I have this as well when I go to, I love cycling in Spain. And when you're in Spain, you ask for a cappuccino that generally give you basically a milk coffee with some shanty cream on top. <laughs> and that's, not, that's not what I meant. Just one like foaming coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Have you tried, uh, have you cycled around Girona at all? No, I haven't been to Girona, unfortunately. I've been mostly in uh, in Mallorca and Tenerife. Uh, I love to go to Girona. I have so many friends that went there and they told me it's beautiful. And I know they have some of the best restaurants in the world as well. So I really want to go there to, to see that. Yeah, it's a top great. Uh, it's a big cycle culture, Girona. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. OK, well, I've asked you most of the questions. Uh, the last one is going to be uh, top tunes. 
maybe top tunes of the year what's been getting you going so that's a really tough one <laughs> because <laughs> I, I have terrible taste in music and it's just it's not that I have bad taste it's just I listen to everything literally everything so uh, I think I can narrow it maybe to three songs this year I guess I could try so because they express to me like different moments so there is actually a very old tune if you like if you know techno and edm so i've done a lot of turbo trainer this year obviously and like my yeah. one my one go song was put your hands up for detroit by fede legrand i don't know if you know it. it's quite a famous song and it's just like you know put your hands up for detroit i love to see it. <laughs> it's, it's really basic but I, that yeah, was cool i like it yeah. gets you into the zone <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, then I really like, um, I went to South Africa at the beginning of the year and it was really my my only proper holiday with my husband the whole, whole 2020. And when we were there, we were listening lots to Roxanne by Arizona Service. And so for me, just it was just, you know, driving in Kemp's Bay and just thinking of like music. So every time I hear it, it's like my summer song. Yeah, and brilliant. then yeah, and then finally, I have a great uh, yoga sort of like compilation of like soft music, and uh, I only to have everything like from like Ben Howard or Bon Iver and stuff like that. But actually, this year, like a proper teenager, I discover Billie Eilish, and I oh, really okay. like some of her Ocean Eyes or When the Party's Over. It's really soft music, and it's just yeah, I really really liked it. So that was my three go-to songs for very, the year, and I'm sorry. Very, really bad <laughs> very good choice my my daughter will be delighted she's big into Billie Eilish so Ocean Eyes will get a big big nod from her amazing yeah. well Caroline we're going to wrap it up thanks so much for sharing today it's been beautiful to chat with you good luck with your projects this year yeah keep keep riding well and try and get you back on here sometime okay thank you very much thank you for having me